This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Office of Management and Budget is applying new pressure to agencies to meet the goals of the Enterprise Infrastructure Solutions, or EIS, program. Federal News Network has learned that OMB is asking for an update by July 1st on agency progress and plans for achieving the deadlines for using the network and telecommunications modernization contract. This requirement in the IT passback guidance comes just before agencies fell well short of the General Services Administration's March 31st goal to have at least 50 percent of their network and telecom inventory transitioned to the new contract. Alan Hill is the Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Category Management in the Office of the IT Category at GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. He oversees the EIS program. He tells Executive Editor Jason Miller about the status of that whole initiative. We have 212 forecasted fair opportunities. Uh, 164 of those have been released to industry. Uh, Of those 164, 93 have task orders that have been awarded. Uh, There's still 48 to be released. Um, and, And let me also state that even though there's 212 opportunities, does not necessarily mean those 212 have to do with, with, um, transition of the legacy inventory it might be new services that a agency is obtaining that's that's beyond just transition of that we have nine of the 17 large agencies and 11 of the 25 medium agencies that have awarded all of their task orders for EIS so so the so they've completed all their necessary awards for transition into EIS um, the, uh, remaining eight large and 14 medium agencies, they either have to release the solicitations, uh, or, or, or make an award, uh, depending where they're at. Uh, in the case of some agencies, they're, the components still have some solicitations to release and they're working on them. Uh, soon expecting here within the next few months to have them all released. What one note is uh, we have about, uh, to date, we have about $14.5 billion awarded in task order. We have eight of the nine vendors all have been awarded uh, uh, some form of work on EIS. That's good news. As I've heard from vendors, there's been a major acceleration over the last uh, three to six months. Yes. So we've had a lot of engagement with the agencies and helping them uh, finish their acquisition process. And I know we have the the March date uh, for agencies in terms of the completion of 50% disconnect of the uh, the expiring contracts. And in expiring contracts, uh, the 50% disconnect, uh, kind of make sure that it's understood. That has to do with a normal transition of past. This is using past uh, data to say what has happened in the past. What's unique about this one is that we're not doing a like-for-like transition. We have different technologies now being inserted. A lot of the legacy technologies that have been around have to be removed and the infrastructure has to be updated. Well, that is, because of that, that could happen at a later date because you just don't change out a switch with a, with another circuit, you are actually changing out the, the entire infrastructure within a building. So, but we do have a 55 of the agencies that have completed 100% of the disconnect of the legacy contracts, which is good. And, but uh, we got some work to do. 
And a lot of those 55 are smaller agencies or they're small micro agencies. Uh, the big ones, there's looking just at some of the data, I'm not sure if any of the big ones or, or not any, but few of the big ones have really migrated fully. Yeah, I, there was one large agency, Social Security Administration, that had completed a fair amount. I'm not sure if they're 100% complete or not, but they have completed a fair amount of their inventory uh, transition. Do you have any updates on that uh, goal that, uh, that you hope for, uh, the 50% disconnect? Uh, is there any new data you can provide? Because it's, it's just a good marker. It's not really saying, yay, they made it or no, they didn't make it. It's more about how progress is going. What would happen with a vendor that is disconnecting something? They the, they go all the way up to March 31st to, to disconnect. That takes about a month to a month and a half for that information to come back into our systems. So we'll actually see. So probably mid-May, we'll have some updated information. Um, and there's probably even some stragglers that might go beyond mid-May too uh, of, of that. Now, those probably that information might be minor in nature, but we, we're mid-May. We should probably have a better picture of where agencies fall in, in, the, in that disconnect. The, the other piece of this, and I want to talk about the new technologies in a second as well. But the other piece of this that I've heard from vendors is a little bit of frustration about maybe how long some awards are taking or have taken. Uh, there's several vendors who mentioned to me. You know, we submitted our bids over a year ago and we asked for a best and final offer and the agency hasn't responded or said no. And prices are down and technology has changed in the last year. Is GSA involved in those conversations? Yes. Uh, actually, we're having regular executive engagements with agencies, particularly agencies that have not awarded or released their solicitation. And our discussions with them, we talk about the remaining inventory that's left for them to, to, to and understanding the complexity, uh, particularly with what they have to do the transition. But if they have a solicitation that has not been awarded, we especially have been reaching out. If they're, it's been a long time. Uh, and we do suggest for them to make sure that they, they go back and, and uh, I've sent to actually talk to some agencies, send out emails to talking to them to say, hey, you might want to update since it's been a while and get because the, the vendors have communicated to me, too. We are getting better pricing now. We understand things a lot better. We're being a lot more innovative. And, and uh, the competition is, is, is really good with, the, with the, the vendors. And it's not just from the pricing perspective, but they're being very innovative with what they're offering in terms of modern solutions too. So th this is good for government because it helps us move not only to a, a um, eliminate the legacy technology, but also helps us move to where we can better secure our information that is going through those circuitries. GSA is in a tough spot in, in trying to get EIS done. There's a lot of pressure on GSA to, to deliver, yet you guys don't necessarily have the authority of the teeth to make it happen. Do you get a sense that there's an, a new sense of urgency that's happening across agencies with EIS because of deadlines, because of pressure maybe from Congress with Fatara scorecard, maybe because there's something in something called the, uh, the passback that told agencies to do certain things with EIS and report back to OMB by July. Do you get a sense there, there's a new sense of urgency that's happening? I do believe with the new administration coming in, the focus on security and the need to secure our uh, national data, 
The emphasis is not just what we have in the cloud to get to the cloud, but how we get it to our, our customers and our users of operators. And so the combination of, as you mentioned, the Passback is one influencer uh, in addition to Vitar, but more so what is, is I consider most important is getting outdated technology off the infrastructure. It can't do zero trust architecture. And so for you to get there, you have to eliminate that technology so you can, it's not just about saving money, it's also about securing our national security interests. And, and you can't have access to the cloud without the network. You can't get that information to your end device without the network. And that without the network, you can't also, you must have security built into it from end to end. And that's where zero trust architecture comes into play. And it's important for agencies to say, what is that? that North Star that we're going to and that zero trust architecture is that and where we can be able to work in a mobile environment because of the what's happened with the pandemic, but do it securely. Alan Hill is the Deputy Assistant Commissioner for Category Management in the Office of the IT Category at GSA's Federal Acquisition Service. Speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Check out Jason's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. We now bring you a special presentation from our friends at WEPA. Shane, thanks for joining us. Can you tell us about WEPA and your new podcast? Mike, great to see you again. The podcast series, Lessons in Leadership, what we're trying to do is, is take a deeper dive, a different angle into the conversation around leadership with great leaders at all levels of government. Uh, since the 1900s, leadership has been studied in a serious and academic way. Uh, great man theory, the leader-follower theory, the inspirational leader, transformational leader. All of these are backward-looking um, development of styles, looking at an individual, figuring out how they did leadership, and then translating it into a form that we can use today to learn, to perhaps emulate, copy. But great leaders, they have more than one style. I think, I truly think that a great leader can adapt and transform into the role that's needed at that time. So what we're trying to do is, is talk to great leaders and go a level deeper. Tell us about your, a story in your past. Tell us an inspiration that really affected your ability to lead others. And this certainly applies in the uh, federal space. The federal government, it's over 2 million employees. Great leaders are throughout the federal government, both at the top and the middle ranks. And what we want to do is ask them to pull inside their memory, pull inside their personal history, find those moments in time when they were changed, they were inspired, they learned something about leadership from another person, perhaps it was uh, from themselves, and they brought that to the workplace, and they inspired other and became great leaders. So that's what we're trying to do with the podcast. Okay, so I, I get that you wanted to start with leadership, but what makes leadership such an important topic right now for federal workers? Great question. Leadership today is tested like never before. Um, today's, if I had to put a leadership style, if I had to put names to it, we hear about um, empathetic, we hear transparent, we hear uh, inspirational. So 
Today, we have COVID, we have a down economy, we have people, we have social uh, injustice that we're dealing with. There are many new factors. And it's drawing, like never before, on a leader's ability to pull from within themselves and adapt to the current change. So leadership today is almost brand new again. We're taking all kinds of different styles, attributes, learnings that leaders have. They're looking at the current situation that we're in and understanding how do I move groups of people? How do I move my employees? How do I inspire? How do I get them to the next best place? So I think leadership today, this conversation uh, is extremely relevant, perhaps more relevant than it's been in several decades. You know, we talk about an employee's personal route to growth, but what role does the management side have in this? I think in the federal government, it's, it's a little bit different than it is in the private sector. Uh, my father was a civilian federal employee. Uh, he joined the federal government in the 1960s. Uh, John Kennedy, he was inspired by ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. He had opportunities to go in the private sector. That notion of service inspired him. It inspired an entire generation. I would like to think that call to service, which is unique in, in the federal space, in the government space, still exists today. Well, that about says it all, but is anything else you'd want the audience to know about you personally or WEPA as an organization? Uh, I have been uh, around the group affinity insurance world for um, three decades. I've led, this is my second uh, major organization that I've led. And I will tell you that we impart this feeling, uh, you mentioned it, Mike, about service, this notion. We serve those who serve. And uh, I will tell you that it's refreshing. It's a blessing to be there. And <clears throat> I have so much respect for civilian federal employees at every level of government. In this podcast, we're hoping to talk to leaders which are similarly inspired and can share their learnings over a lifetime and uh, this will be useful information uh, for anybody in government service. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.